In Matthew 4.19, Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Join us in this conversation as we discuss following Jesus, leadership, and doing life with others. Welcome to the 419 Disciple Makers Podcast. Hello, and welcome to this episode of 419 Disciple Makers Podcast. My name is Beth Laurie. I'm your host, and I'm so glad to be with you today. And I have a very special guest, our friend who started this podcast, Mark Danzi. Hey, Mark. Hi, Beth. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. It's amazing to be here, actually. <laughs> yes, it is amazing to have you back with us. Mark started this podcast on January 24th of 2019, uh, 419 Disciple Makers podcast, and it has been going for three years, and it has been such a blessing of inspiration and encouragement for all the listeners as they have come on and learn um, how different people have made disciples and all the ways that you can do this and practical things and um, comforting messages, all kinds of things that has happened through the years. Um, Mark is now with Narrow Gate, uh, but we he's still definitely part of our community. And I wanted to bring Mark on today because this is our last interview podcast, at least for a while. Um, Mark started this all and we interviewed different people, primarily ordinary people who had just said yes to God and said yes to making disciples and just wanted to hear their stories of how they did it and how God worked in and through their life. And uh, so as our closing interview episode, though the moment of encouragement will continue, I really felt Mark was the right person to come on and wrap up things with us today. So uh, we have a lot of great questions, some good things to share with you today. Um, and I would love to ask Mark to kick us off by talking about maybe some things you've learned over the last few years in your disciple making. I don't think we have enough time for that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm still learning a lot, actually. I feel like I've been in a about a 15 year growth spurt <laughs> when it comes been. to disciple making. But uh, I would say in the last few years, um, one of the things, Beth, it's just kind of resonated with me is 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 the fruit of obedience. Um, you know, we're always looking for the next shiny thing or the next gimmick or the next trick. It seems like uh, in, in in this world, but you know, we've been called to a life of obedience, and that doesn't mean perfection. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't mean we've mastered this thing called the Christian life. It just means that we're saying yes to what God's called us to do. And we just kind of stay the course, you know, uh, on that. And there's a lot of time that you do that, that you don't see the fruit of it. Honestly, you get tired, you get weary, you get, you know, you start questioning your own self. You start questioning your capabilities. And is this really what God wants me to do? Is this really the place God wants me to do it? And, and yet when you do, when you're obedient to the call of Christ um, to be a disciple maker for over a long period of time, you start really seeing amazing things happen. Um, so I just, I just kind of think about the fruit of obedience. Um, uh, and so it just, it's just something that kind of keeps being reiterated to me. Uh, it happened today on a, on a call with a pastor in Kentucky, and uh, we're planning a meeting up there. And he was telling me about this photo we're going to take where a man who discipled me is going to be, uh, and then me, and then him, and then his, his, the man he's discipling. He said, I can't wait for our fourth generation photo that's going to happen on March 17th. And I just thought about that. And I thought, wow, that's, that's cool, but it takes time, you know, for that kind of stuff to happen. And so um, I would say probably that's the biggest lesson that I keep learning <laughs> um, is that there's a payoff to commitment. Uh, and you can't you can't just continue to kind of do different. You can't continue to innovate and reinnovate yourself uh, over and over and over without paying a price for that. And um, but the payoff to staying the course, doing what Jesus told us to do, and trying to do it as close to what He gave us um, pays off. Uh, it just takes a lot longer than we than we ever imagined, honestly. So. That's probably the biggest lesson I've learned. Uh, another one is, is that I'm just a link in a chain, honestly. Um, you know, somebody disciples somebody and here I am. And I'll disciple somebody who disciples somebody. And then there's, some, you know, <laughs> that person will, will find their purpose in life. And so uh, I'm not the chain. I'm, I'm just a link in it. 
Um, but a chain is only as strong as the weakest link in it. And so I don't want to be the weak link <laughs> that breaks the chain of, of discipleship. And so I'm always reminded of that quote. I don't remember where I heard it, but that the gospel came to me on its way to someone else. Well, so did discipleship. And so if I see myself as a critical link in a chain, um, it causes me to get up and prepare and go to that group and work with those men and show up next week and show up next week and show up next week. And, and so it just, it for me, it creates that, that commitment. And then from that commitment is where the real, I think the most important fruit in life is, is actually born, you know? So that's I hope that, I hope that um, the question I've, I've learned a ton of other things too, <laughs> you know, little things over the years, um, you know, the commitment to the word, honestly, there's so many discipleship curriculum books out there and everybody's writing their own and everybody's doing their own thing. And that's great. Um, but you know, solo scriptura. If you got if you got one book, it's it's, it's script. I'm going to swing out into eternity on this book, not on a <laughs> discipleship curriculum. Uh, and so, you know, when we can get this in front of people consistently and help help them fall in love with God's word, um, you know, it kind of does its own. It does the deal. You know, one of my mentors said, um, whenever we open the scripture. Um, and we lay it before people on a table, it's like setting a king's feast. Mm. Um, and everything else is like crumbs under the table. And so I guess my commitment to scripture um, is, is always being validated uh, as you see people's lives being changed by being exposed to it. So I don't want to sound like I'm not getting discipleship curriculum at all. Um, but I just keep seeing the power of God's word and um, kind of take some of the pressure off of me. I mean, I don't have to, I'm not changing anybody's life. I'm just putting the spread out <laughs> and, and God's the one doing it. He's doing the feeding. Yeah. Oh, so many nuggets there. Yes. Um, what about you? Yes. I mean, you've been disciple making women now for years and um, what, what do you feel like you've learned? Yeah. Um, well, same as you, lots of stuff new all the time. Um, and I love that. But I think the thing that God's really pressed on my heart, at least in this last season, is that we stay with these people forever. Like it's not just a three years or year or whatever, the, you know, the curriculum might might lend itself to uh, of pouring in. I mean, these are deep, beautiful bonds that you have mm. with each other. And I, I sort of like the imagery of we're all we're all on this really long journey walking home. We're walking home to heaven, right? Mm -hmm. And um, you walk with some people for a while, and then you might be with somebody else, and you come back to your friends, and you find them, and you walk with them some more. And I just think that they need that encouragement, and so do I, um, mm -hmm. along the way, because we know the enemy's out there trying to distract us, like you were saying, with uh, obedience. There's all kinds of shiny objects and things and new things. And uh, we can just start to go, ah, I don't really need to do that. Or this group is just fine. I'll stay with them forever. All these other kind of things that we start to tell ourselves. So coming back and getting back with each other and encouraging each other in this work is super key. So I think I have not been super great about always following up as faithfully as often as I should with those who were in um, previous groups or previous discipleship experiences. And I think God's really, like said, this is where you're going to find so much more if you go back and back and back again and keep those relationships really warm and, and stoking that fire there. So that's been good. Yeah. The follow-up concept there is like you said, okay, our group's going to go for three years. First off, when you tell somebody three years in the beginning, they're like, what? I can't do that. That's too long. You know, then you get to the end of the three years and the same people are going, I can't believe it's already over. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but it's not. And so, you know, the continued follow-up over the years um, is, it's actually so rewarding to be sitting at breakfast with a man who's, you know, you know, you discipled him years ago, you're still in connection with him and he's telling you about the men he's discipling. And it, it's just, it's just the reward is amazing. Right. And so uh, I agree with you that the follow up is 
is key. It's like parenting kind of, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you don't raise a kid to three and then say, okay, good luck. <laughs> right. Yeah. You yeah. want to, when you want to hear how God's working in their life and pray with them and encourage mm -hmm. them and, uh, it's, 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 it is a beautiful thing. And so not thinking it, it's funny. You said we're going to be in a three-year group, but now you're really saying we're going to be in a lifetime. We're going to be together for a lifetime. <laughs> oh, it's a total bait and switch. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's what that's what this is. We're we're lifelong brothers and sisters. We'll be worshiping our Lord forever. So, mm -hmm. it's uh it's precious. Well, another question I wanted to ask is how do you see disciple making changing as people are worshiping more online? We've seen that in our community. Um, how do we connect to those needing or desiring discipleship, but maybe they're not coming in the doors of the church or what does that look like? Yeah, this, this is a great problem um, for pastors. I'm now with, with Narragate, what we do is we basically disciple pastors. We disciple men and women and we disciple pastors. Uh, and so I get the opportunity to be in conversation with pastors uh, every week all over the world and just kind of having one-on-one -on -one conversations about, you know, what's ministry like, what's life like. And there's so much consistency with the disorientation of pastors right now, no matter what country they're in, small church, big church, doesn't matter. Everybody's trying to figure out, <laughs> you know, ministry in a, in a global pandemic. So in some ways I would say, you know, everything has changed in the last couple of years. Um, one of the revelations from this, I think, is that program-based ministries have been exposed as ineffective, um, mostly ineffective. Let me, let me qualify that. In other words, this we built our models on if we build this building and build this service, then people will come to it. It's that you, if we build it, they will come model. And yet Jesus is always saying, go. And it's, it's kind of exposed us as we're not actually doing what he told us to do. And so, you know, this, I'm going to put on a program and everybody's going to come to it. You know, when you were in a pandemic and you couldn't do that and you have to kind of now put it online and you trust that these numbers, that there are people out there actually watching, but this is the engagement that's lacking. So they might be watching our services or watching our programs we're putting on, but the engagement is, I think, the biggest challenge. Um, so on one hand, I would say that everything has changed from a ministry standpoint, but from a discipleship standpoint, I don't think anything has changed. Uh, I think the Great Commission didn't expire with, with COVID-19. Uh, I don't think anything that Jesus did, you know, stopped working because we're in a pandemic. Um, you know, the world have been through many of these things in the past. I mean, you know, of course, they're all different uh, to some degree, but, but the, the life of a disciple maker is to engage with, with a small group, a small number of people, sometimes one-on-one, one-on-two, one-on-three, you know, for the purposes of spiritual investment, of nurturing, of praying, of caring, of challenging, of truth, all those things that a pandemic is not going to change. Um, it may cause you to meet online sometimes and it may cause, you know, online and in person. Um, and you may have an exclusively online presence, but nothing about what you're doing, in my opinion, changes at all. So the way I answer this question, and I've answered this question a lot in the past two years is, um, in some ways, minist everything has changed about ministry, but nothing has changed about disciple making. It's the, the core elements are still, still there. And in some ways, it's kind of been a blessing because I used to think that you couldn't disciple anybody online. Uh, you had to be physically in a room with them. And I'm starting to see that that's not the case. And when that's not the case, it, it opens you up to the world. Remember, Wesley said, the world is my parish. The problem was you couldn't travel the whole world. Well, now you and I can. We can travel the whole world in about seven seconds. <laughs> <laughs> I can meet with people all over the world in about seven seconds. It's, that was even not even a remote thought for Wesley when he said, the world is my parish. So I do think that, um, you know, developing an online disciple making presence is, is key, but it has to be an, it has to be an engaging, interacting thing. You know, not just a service online that people watch like a YouTube video or a Ted talk. 
Uh, Jesus never told us to go make, you know, videos and TED Talks. He told us to go make disciples. Um, and so the pastors are really reinventing themselves right now. And I think in a very positive way that uh, we've missed the boat in a lot of ways. We built it and, when, and they couldn't come. <laughs> it's not that they didn't want to. And so now we got to really go back to kind of unearthing that, that historic model that Jesus had. And I just like to say it that way, that it, his way of doing things here did not expire with a pandemic. That is simply just an excuse. Um, so what helps me is to think that really nothing around disciple making has changed. And that's, you talked about my role. That, that's what, how things have changed for me. I've gone from a, um, uh, from a church, particular pastoral environment, which I loved, by the way, I did it for 30 years. I loved it. Um, and now I'm working more with just individuals in small groups versus large groups. And, um, you know, that paradigm really hasn't, hasn't changed much at all. But you're in a different seat than me now. You're running a, a, a discipling ministry at a large suburban Atlanta church, and uh, you're in charge of all that. So what's been your experience over the past couple of years? Um, thank you for asking. And I just want to say I really appreciated your answer because I think it's super encouraging that, you know, Jesus is whatever's changing with the church. Jesus and his mission has not changed. And there, yeah. there will always be the bride of Christ and we will always yeah. Uh, have things, even if it feels a little um, transitional right now. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, my view is not quite as as is the same as yours. And I love to hear how you are meeting with all these pastors all over the world. Um, what I think has been really neat and exciting about this is, so a lot of our discipling leaders have looked within the church, people who have um, coming, they're showing signs of faithfulness, they're hungry, um, and uh, we started getting to a point where people were like, I don't know, I can't find somebody, da, da, da. And I think this um, change where people are not coming in the building as often has really been an invitation from the Lord to say, okay, that's not the only places to look. Like, there is a whole world out there, right? And tell me about the people at your work and tell me about the people at the gym. Tell me about the people in your neighborhood. Like, who are the other people that you can start looking for and I heard this term, persons of peace, uh, right? The, the Jesus says when he sent the 72 out was like, look for those people. So start looking for those people in your community. Like, where can you find those and build those relationships? Because those are the beginning of discipling relationships. And so yeah. I think it's a great way to stretch us a bit more uh, and uh, open up the kingdom to the world, which is where it's always intended to be, uh, that we are out discipling um, in the world. And so I also agree with you that instead of seeing it as something, oh, no, they're you know not in the building as, wow, that's OK. We just going to go wherever Jesus is going. And he's right. he would always be out in the world anyway. So we're going to be there with him. <laughs> I do think that, you know, while we've seen the pandemic as all the negatives of it, and there have been tremendous negatives. There is always opportunity and challenges. And the opportunities have been for us to really rethink what, what Jesus has called us to do in disciple making. And um, I think in the days, years ahead, we're going to look back on it and go, you know, it actually helped us in our ministry quest uh, to have to go through something like that. that wouldn't yeah. wish it again. <laughs> and we're still in it, right? <laughs> That's right. But yeah, yes. there are definitely positives that have come out of it from a disciple-making standpoint. That's right. Yes. So I wanted to ask you, um, through all these podcasts we've done, uh, which one is your favorite and why? And besides this one? Yeah, okay. <laughs> besides this one. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, favorite is a funny question because I, I think there's been some that have been more impactful to me. Um, you know, then, then I would say favorite, the one, the one that's probably the most, first off my hearing my wife do one a few months ago was, was awesome. I listened to it a few times actually, um, hearing her and her walk with Christ is always encouraging to me. Uh, but I guess probably the one that's left the most impact on me was, uh, Dr. Jay Hughes, 
Uh, Jay is a is a disciple maker. He's in one of my Commission Institute groups. He's a pastor, um, and he is just one of the wisest, smartest people I know. And he's crazy funny. But I remember in that podcast, he talked about kind of the three the three phases of the Christian life, and I just resonated with them. And he he basically said that the first phase is I'm going to get in this. This is all for me. You know, I don't have peace. I don't have joy. I'm afraid I'm not going to go to heaven. And so I need to commit to Jesus because look at all the benefits I'm going to get from this. You know, I've tried everything else now. So the focus was on, look at all this. This is going to be great for me. But then we get into a, we get confronted with the cross and the cross really makes us ask ourselves the question, why would he do that for me? You know, seeing this man go through that punishment and he did it for me. And so now I need to pay him back. I need to do something for him. And so I'll join every committee and I'll go to seminary and I'll read my Bible every day and I'll, <laughs> I'll become super Christian and because I need to somehow show my gratitude back to this man who did this for me, only to find out that years down the road, burnout awaits. And I've read all the books and I've taken all the classes and I'm exhausted uh, because I've been trying to pay him back, you know, for what he did. And then you get to the phase where Jesus is just, you just want to spend time with Jesus because you love him. And time in his presence is just, you know, rich. And I don't care about what he can do for me. And I don't need to repay him anymore. I just want to be with him. And, you know, that's, that's kind of the phase, thank God, that I've, I'm starting to enter into and get off of the kind of hamster wheel of Christianity and just, um, just be, with, be with Jesus. And, you know, if the analogy doesn't connect with you, think about a marriage. This is what Jay said in that podcast was, you know, a young man gets married. I remember this, getting married, thinking, you know, I'm a single dad, I'm lonely, uh, I would love to have a wife, Lord, please send her. And then I saw her doing the wave at a T-ball field by herself on the stands. Uh, I mean, there were players and other people there, but, <laughs> and I remember thinking she's beautiful. I would love to be with her. I would love to spend time with her. I'd love to take her out. And so I started dating Tammy, literally thinking this was going to be great for me. Um, only to marry her and realize uh, I need to serve her well. I mean, I need to, do the right things. I need to be honest. I need to have integrity. I need to be consistent. And so I started then doing things for her. But now after almost 20 years, um, I just love being with her. Um, if it's a Sunday afternoon and we can play golf and I could get buddies or I could get her, I'd rather play with her because I don't, I'm, it's not about what I get out of this. It's not about what I can do for her anymore. It's just, I just love being with her. She makes me laugh. She makes me feel great. She's awesome. And so I think that we kind of go through these phases. And during that podcast, when Jay was saying that, I was just sitting there in awe because I felt like he was reading my mail. <laughs> and it's just, it's just kind of the normal course of things, you know? So that, that's probably the the podcast that I think about the most. Oh, that's wonderful. Yes. I'd encourage our listeners to go back and find that one because um, that's great. I mean, yes, there's always more of God and more of our life with him. And so whatever phase you're in in that, just know that he has more for us. And it is about yeah. uh, a sweet and beautiful love uh, between us and our and our friend and Savior. So. Yeah, it's it's that thing of, you know, I have to spend, I should be spending more quiet time with the Lord. Well, you're never going to enjoy that. I want to spend quiet time with the Lord. You know, I want to be in the presence of God. That's what's going to be rich and fulfilling. And so until you turn the corner on that, um, Christianity feels like a to-do list. Um, Feels like a grocery list. Honestly, you're just checking off. Amen. Yeah. And that's why I think a lot of people are just dissatisfied in their faith. When you say on a scale of one to 10, how satisfied with you of your faith, uh, a lot of people, you know, are fives and sixes and sevens. And it's because of that. Yeah. It's either, what have you done for me lately? Or 
what have I done for you lately? And it's not about the man. Let's just let's just be together, right? Yeah. I bet you've had some uh, interesting times in your in the podcast. Is there one that stands out to you the most? Yeah, um, the one I probably talk about the most. And I, I appreciate you using the word a favorite, saying that there's um, maybe other ways to say that impactful, but. The one I talk about the most is the one that you did. It was a teaching series, um, The Master Plan of Evangelism. You went through each of the chapters of Robert Coleman's book. And I tell every group to listen to that podcast and read the chapters together because, um, like, you know, Robert uses all the churchy words, right? He was he was writing a paper that needed all the churchy words. But then you yeah. make it very practical and warm but that book is the one that gets people to go, oh, and I tell them, look up every single scripture in that book when you read it, because it's easy to read it without looking up the scriptures, right? And just, but if you do that, you see that Jesus clearly had a plan and how he did it. And um, all of a sudden it becomes very practical, but very easy. Like you're like, oh, okay, I need to just start looking around. I need to start spending time with people. Like all of a sudden it goes from like this daunting mountain of I've got to, you know, go and make disciples. And maybe they're in that phase of I need to <laughs> to work for Jesus in some way to like, hey, Jesus and I are just going to do this together, right? We're just, mm-hmm. we're going to enjoy life together and we're going to be with other people enjoying life together and talking about him. And Mm -hmm. so um, I just love that podcast, that whole series that you did there. And I really think it's one of our best um, teachings out there, Mark. And so thank you for doing that one. And um, thank you. Encouraging our our listeners in it. So I've never, well, I remember doing that podcast and just remember after each one going, gosh, this is such rich stuff, this material. And, you know, I just don't encounter that book and ever walk away going ho hum. (laughs) Every time I read it, I'm like, wow. Right. I mean, this should be required reading of every Christian, you know, once a year, <laughs> just to stay on focus here. That's, that's a good, that's a good piece of wisdom uh, right there. Yes, because we can get off so easily, but it is. And, and it's just simple because we're looking at the life of Jesus right there, like you said earlier in, in the Holy Bible and seeing how he did it. And he didn't, it wasn't complicated. He just... Hanging out with people, sharing what he knows, loving them, encouraging them, and helping them <laughs> to do the same. So, yeah. yeah, he makes simple what we've already what we try to make so complicated. Amen. And um, man, you know that the older I get, man, I'm just looking for more simple. <laughs> simple simplicity. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay, so if you um, could share, um, what do you think that? those people who are making disciples, they're already out there um, leading groups one-on-one, whatever ways the Lord has them making disciples. What's the one thing you think they need to hear? Hmm. Um, I I guess I would say you cannot fail. Uh, This is foolproof. Uh, As long as you are using scripture and compassion and prayer, and you're, you're you're continuing to evaluate your model against Jesus's model of disciple making. You cannot fail at this. So when you're doubting yourself and you're showing up to your group, or somebody quits the group, or you know, we, we were never promised fanfare. We were never promised a parade. We were never promised a trophy for this. Uh, and so. When you don't get that, sometimes you think, am I do, you know, am I any good at this? Is, and the answer is absolutely you're good at this uh, if you're doing it Jesus's way. So number one, I would say you cannot, you cannot fail <laughs> it's, it, it, at this. Um, uh, we said before, I would say stay in scripture. Uh, it's not about the amount of scripture you read. I think that's a mistake. A lot of people, say, okay, let's, let's read 42 scriptures and talk about it. <laughs> No, sometimes you just need to be in one one verse, one one truth. Maybe there's one word in one verse, but but it's coming straight from Scripture. And the, and the cool thing is, is a couple of places in the Bible, um, the Scripture says that my word will not return to me void. So you just can't share this with a group of people and go, pointless. <laughs> I, I mean, it's going to do something. And so the mistake that we'll make is to get away from scripture into the ne- you know next book of the month club. But um, I would just say, 
just keep that commitment uh, to scripture um, is, is one thing I would, I would tell them too. I, I also think that people look to the leader. Um, I think the leader models more than we realize for our people. Um, I would say that to display grace and truth to your people in that group consistently teaches its own, le- own lessons. Um, it doesn't mean grace in that, oh, come when you want to. Okay, it's, it's great that you never do your homework and you dominate the conversation. I'm not talking about cheap grace. I'm talking about displaying grace also with truth combined, that John 1.14 description of Jesus. Probably by example, teaches people in the group as much as anything else. Um, because you can't model, you can't, you know, mimic what you don't model. You've got to give people a, a, a model of grace and a model of truth. Um, and that's a hard tightrope to walk for some people. Some of us err on too much grace and some of us err on just, you know, too much truth. And that's, that's a real skill set that I think we develop over time. But if it's your, it's, if you're intentional about it, if it's your hope, you know, you'll, you'll definitely, you'll definitely get there um, if you stay the course. And I just can't reiterate that, that enough. I mean, if you take your foot off the gas, your car is not going to get to a destination that you designed for it to go. It just, it's just not, I know we're in the Tesla self-driving world anymore, but <laughs> you get where I'm going with this. And if you take your foot off the gas of disciple making and you quit, um, it's not going to happen. And so I would just say, you know, stay the course, disciple when you want to and disciple when you don't want to. Um, and, and, in, and in doing that, um, just expect God to blow your mind. <laughs> I mean, because it's going to happen. You can't fail at this. The Holy Spirit's doing the work under the surface you can't see. Mm. And then there's going to be a testimony or a salvation or a person or somebody's going to, you know, go into career ministry or somebody's going to be healed or a marriage is going to be restored. I mean, God's going to blow your mind with stories that come from your commitment to doing this. And so um, I just, I think that's a message that, that um, disciple makers need to hear. And I'm speaking more from an encouraging part than a tactical part, really. Yeah. Um, I do think the last thing I'll say about that is, you know, many, many people ask me the question, uh, okay, you know, what should I do? What should I start with? Okay, we've done eight weeks. What should I do next? Okay, we've done a year. What should I do next? And it's a fair question. Uh, but the better question is, is what do my people need next? I'm not with your group. I have no way to evaluate what they need next. You're evaluating that. And so you've got to really listen to where, where do your people sound deficient? Do they sound deficient in sharing the gospel? Do they sound deficient in understanding the gospel? Do they sound deficient in knowing scripture? Um, what is it? Uh, is it their relationships or just a, a wreck? And they don't know how to do relationships in, in the light of Christ. So I'm listening to where, what my people need. And then that drives the direction that we go versus, okay, every eight weeks we do this book and, and then we do read these scriptures next quarter. And then we always finish with this. I don't, I don't have a cookie cutter approach to it. Um, so that's, that's a few things that I would say that I think people need to need to hear. How about you? Well, those are really good nuggets. Um, and I, I think similar to what, you said, and even what you said earlier when we were talking, but um, this is slow and and it's a long process and it's not flashy. And so I do <laughs> think that those who are leading, it's easy to get distracted and get off course. And I hear m- many of them say, I just need a break for a while. But this goes to sort of what you were just saying. What happens with they take a break for a while and turns into too long. Next thing I know, they're coming back to me and they're going... I'm in a really dry place. I'm just, I don't know. I feel stuck. I'm, I just, I don't, I'm just not doing well. And then they think that there's something wrong with them. And it's really that they 
took away the thing that was probably very life-giving for them. And and mm. it's okay to take a break. There's nothing wrong with that. But to your point, get right back in there and, and do it because it's also great for us. Like it's great for them. You'll see the fruit, but it is also life-giving for us as leaders to have that safe place, to talk about things that are going on in our life, to encourage one another to share. So it it's such a blessing for ourselves that we can forget that and think we need a break from it. And yet it's our lifeline. So don't cut it off. Don't get too far from that. And it's a, it's a slow, long process. And I think we just have to have that, um, that eternal view with it that, mm-hmm. you know, it's like watching trees grow, right? I mean, transformation mm-hmm. can be very, very slow. Fruit is very, very slow growing. But wow, to your point, you will be surprised uh, in it and it will be so good. <laughs> yeah, it, I, I think it's uh, I think it's a sign of maturity. I mean, I remember when I was a child, I wanted everything to happen instantly and immediately and, you know, and then as you get older, you realize the best stuff in life really takes time and you're willing to wait for the better things. Um, but I think people, it doesn't matter how old you are, you can still be spiritually immature, you know, as a 70 year old. Um, the physical maturity and spiritual maturity really aren't as connected as we think. Um, and so I think that that's a sign when people say, you know, oh man, I just need a break from this or, oh, you know, this takes too long, all this stuff. All, all they're doing is exposing to themselves that they're spiritually immature. And it's, you know, it's, it is what it is. Let's don't, let's don't call it anything else. Um, but as we continue to gain in maturity, we get continue to understand, I can't take my foot off the gas and expect my car to get where I want to go. You got to keep your foot on the gas and getting, keeping your foot on the gas is staying engaged. Keep showing up, keep preparing, keep praying, keep, just keep going. And man, the good stuff comes, right? <laughs> it does. It does. <laughs> yeah. If you don't faint, uh, and that's what scripture teaches us, you know, if you don't faint, if you don't stop, if you don't quit, if you don't take these long uh, extended breaks from, you know, God's call on your life. Um, so I would just encourage anybody that's thinking about taking a long break or, you know, if you do discipleship, right, you take off the, uh, the holiday seasons, usually from, I do from Thanksgiving to Christmas, I'm ready to see my guys in January and I'm ready. Uh, and then you take off the summers uh, from meeting. Um, and then you back, and if you do it with the right cadence and rhythm, you don't need, you know, a year or two or three break, right. you know? So I think some of that's just a lack of um, understanding of how to, how to be committed for the long haul. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Okay. And then um, what about the people who are listening there? They're new to discipleship. They are thinking about leading a group. Maybe they're in one now and they're formulating, uh, praying and talking to the Lord about what's next. What's some words you you think they need to hear? Uh, Well, a lot of it's the same thing. You know, um, I I, I like to say it this way. You can't learn to ride the bicycle on the Internet. (laughs) (laughs) You got to get your butt on the seat, you got to put your feet on the pedals and you got to go. And discipleship is the same way. You don't learn it from watching from a distance. You learn it by doing it. You know, if you want to really learn something, teach it. And then you'll really learn it. You'll know it. And so if you really want to learn to be a disciple maker, start making disciples. I wish there were another way I could teach tell you, (laughs) but you just can't learn to ride the bicycle on the internet. You got to, you got to get in, you got to do it. It's the same way with sharing your faith. People are like, well, I don't really know how, to. well, it's because you're not doing it. If you started doing it, you'd learn how to do it. Start pedaling. And what do I mean by pedaling? Get your antennas up. Start praying for God to send you people into your life that you can disciple. Invite them to a coffee shop. Start the conversation. Share your favorite scripture. Tell them what God is doing in your life. Pedal, 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 pedal. <laughs> and what, And the more you pedal, the more confident you'll be. But to stand there and, you know, and scratch your chin and stare at that bicycle uh, and never get on it and pedal, you're never going to learn. Same way with disciple making. So I do have uh, people when I ask them, you know, so let me, let me say this about that. 
when I'm phasing down a group, say we've been together for a couple of years and we're about to multiply, I really do like to take the last chunk of that time, six weeks, eight weeks or whatever, and start erasing their excuses and say, what is it you need to know to say yes to being a disciple maker? Because that's what we're going to commit the next six to eight weeks to doing. And then listen like crazy and then begin to train and encourage in those areas uh, because that really is what it means to equip people. Mm. And um, so our job as disciple makers is in many ways to just erase the excuses that people have for not doing what God's called them to do. Um, And then once they do it, they'll get the confidence. It's a beautiful thing really to watch it, but there's a lot of people who think, uh, I'm just going to stand on the sideline until I get it. Well, you're never going to get it on the sideline. Yes. Ugh. Yeah. Did you? Uh, I guess in the church, you probably um, experience folks who say that to you that you know uh-huh. I'm in a group or I'm not in a group and don't talk to me about this leading and you know being a disciple maker and all that stuff. Right. Right. Yeah. Yes. I, I'm sure we both have heard um, a lot of similar things over the years. Maybe women are uh, say it differently. I'm not sure than men. But yeah, I think a lot of people, want they don't feel like they know enough. And to your point, you'll never know enough. Like, that's not what it's about. I don't about. know enough. <laughs> right. I mean, we're all learners. Disciples are learners. That's what we are. We're, we're pupils of Jesus. Um, but the same thing uh, that I would say if if to someone new is just start. Um, you learn as you go. That is the training, right? There is equipping and encouraging. And then we'll, you know, the Holy Spirit's the one doing the work. You're just joining him. And then we're also going to be with you and pray with you and encourage you along the way. You know, you're not doing this alone. Um, but yeah, I don't think, I think it sounds daunting and scary, but it's not. And you just have to start just like, like you, the, the bicycle is the perfect example. You can't, you can't um, read enough books on bicycling <laughs> that you know how to do it. You just have to start bicycling. Oh my gosh! Put your feet on the I've pedals. read my ninth book on bicycles. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I never heard of that. So I'm going to stick with just start pedaling. <laughs> just start pedaling. You remember the remember uh, when you were teaching your kids to ride a bicycle, and you know there is that time you're kind of holding the seat and running yeah. behind them, and you're kind of nervous for them, right? You know, I don't want to see them fall and skin up their knee. I like, you know, but it's going to happen. I mean, it's just going to happen, but do the best you can. And it's that running beside them. And I actually think that follow-up after we've gone through the discipleship group of kind of running behind them, holding the seat a little bit, you know, uh, is actually a fun time because I meet with folks who, okay, I started my group. I got these four guys together and Whew, here we go, you know, and you're right. just kind of going, all right, well, what are you going to do? Well, tell me about this person. What? And you kind of hold the seat for them a little bit, but you can't do that for ter- too terribly long, right? Right. You kind of have to let them go. And then when they go, what do they do? Woohoo! Well, I this know. Is, you know so this is great. This is great. And the next um, thing you know, they're around the corner and you hadn't even heard from them and they're just pedaling. <laughs> right. And then they went the car keys, you know, and all that stuff. Um, yeah, it's, it's very, the analogies are very similar. I think, yeah. uh, if there were an easier way, I would, I would tell you, mm-hmm. but you know, there's just, there's just not the, the caveat to that though, would be is if you've never been discipled, I get it. You wouldn't know what to do. So commit to a discipleship group. It's intent going into it, knowing that this is going to train me to multiply. So if you, but once you've been exposed to that, then you will be prepared to lead. But if you've never really been disciple and you think I'm going to be a disciple maker, uh, you probably need to be a disciple before you can make disciples. So if you're in a church that doesn't offer that, go to another church that offers that. You can still worship and serve and give where you're at, but find a place um, that'll train you to to be a disciple maker. And then once you've been trained, you can do this. That's right. <laughs> yeah, you can do it. Oh, Mark, this has been so good. So much uh, wisdom and encouragement uh, today, practical and um, inspirational. Hey, um, any last parting words of wisdom you'd like our listeners to hear as we close out this podcast? Yeah. Um, 
one of my one of my favorite quotes is by Cicero. He, he said, "Gratitude is the parent of all virtues." And I think that a heart of gratitude of what God has done for me and what others who invested in me have done for me leaves me in a position of where my true gratitude is shown when I do for others what's been done for me. And if Cicero is right, and I think he is, <laughs> that gratitude is the parent of all virtues, then I think gratitude drives drives me to be a disciple maker. You know, if I say to the Lord, thank you for all you've done for me, and I don't do anything with what he's done for me, it's not really gratitude. And so um, one of the men that, that uh, uh, we, we are, we're disciple making together uh, shares a few aspects of leadership that I think apply to um, disciple making. And number one is just be courageous. Uh, nothing great was ever done without some courage involved. And so when it comes to being a disciple maker, be courageous. You know, five times in the first chapter of Joshua, leading the people in the promised land, you know, the Lord tells Joshua, be courageous. Why did he tell him that? Because he wasn't. <laughs> he needed to hear that. And so some of you listening to this today, you know, that's what you need to hear. Be courageous. Um, be committed. Uh, you know, commit to this. Put both hands on the wheel of disciple making. Strap in. Say yes. Go for it. You know, just and then don't quit. Be committed to it. Um, it is another thing I would say. Uh, for me, disciple making uh, has made me a more compassionate person. Yeah. Um, it's like when I studied the Enneagram. The Enneagram actually made me a more compassionate human being, and. Discipleship has done that too, uh, even more actually. Uh, and so I have compassion for these people that don't know the way. They don't know how to find the purpose in life. They don't know how to answer the call of God on their life. And so they need me to help them find that. And that comes from a heart of compassion. And so, um, you know, those, those are a few things I would, I would leave our listeners with. I would also the people you're discipling know that hey you're still in development too you know your character and then through that just continue to grow in competence um continue to be read books on disciple making have conversations with disciple makers just continue to grow in that competence and as you do these things it's my belief that that your confidence will be in a different place than it might be right now it will, it will grow. We just can't get up one day and say, I'm going to be confident. It's, it's the implementation of these principles that create confidence that if I'm doing the, the commission, if I'm living the great commission, then Jesus is with me in this. And uh, I'm going to do it Jesus's way. And it's going to work. It's just, you're not going to get to the end of a lifelong, a life of disciple making and go, that was pointless. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. You're going to have lived a life of purpose, but I think Matthew 419, uh, which is what this podcast, you know, go make disciples, um, excuse me, <laughs> Matthew 28, um, come follow me. I'll make you fishers of men is what Matthew 419 says. And um, so again, I'll end this probably the way we started it a few years ago is that um, the invitation is to come to Christ, to follow him. He does the making, and um, we'll be fishers of people, and that'll be our purpose. And so um, people that are disciple makers don't sit around wondering what God's purpose for their life is. They talk very differently uh, because they've experienced God's purpose firsthand. So that's, I guess, if we're ending this uh, after a few years here uh, this way, that's that's what I would I would leave you with um, is to just live out, make Matthew four nineteen, um, you know, a part of your, a part of the way you share the gospel with yourself every day. Oh, that's so. How about, but I, I am not an expert on this. I mean, I'm, I'm just on the team, and I know you are too. Um, what would you? How would you encourage the listeners? 
I, I don't know if I could say it any better than you did. That was, that was really good. I, I loved the part about gratitude and compassion. Um, I think both of those are so key to um, this journey. I think practically, I would say go back and listen to the podcast and l- read the books that encouraged you in the beginning because um, they were rich for a reason. And maybe even have like your discipleship group listen to the podcast or uh, whatever. There's training videos. There's, um, you know, different things. But I think those things that we can do to keep us encouraged is part of that faithfulness we talked about earlier. Um, so surround yourself with those people um, who get it. I find that I, when I'm around people that share my passions, I come away like all encouraged and pumped up and ready to do it. Um, and then when I get with people who don't share my passions for a long period of time, I, I, I need it. I realize how much I need those, those people. So surround yourself with the things that um, keep you focused on this, on this work. Um, sort of a practical tip uh, as we leave. But I think each of these podcasts have been just, uh, you know, nuggets of inspiration like you uh, shared with us before. And I think if people wanted to go back and listen to them again, they would hear something new in every single one of them that they didn't catch before. Um, and so these are up here forever. I just want to say that to all of our listeners that they are on the 419 website uh, they'll be on the podcast app, your favorite app, and you can keep listening to these and encouraging others to listen to these as well. So that's a little practical kind of walk away with. Oh, Mark, this has been so good uh, to have you with us today and to be able to share with our listeners and encouraging us on our way. Um, this is the last interview on the 419 uh, Disciple Makers podcast for a while. The council is working on something new that will be coming back soon. Uh, So keep listening to the Moments of Encouragement, and we will be in touch. For more information, check out our website, 419disciplemakers.org. 